Hi everyone. I'm going to try doing a podcast solo and we're going to pretend that the reason for that isn't entirely because I didn't have anyone to come on with me this week. But hey, I deserve a little bit of remorse, I think, because it is the holidays. So it makes sense. I promise I still do have friends and I desperately need to be viewed as such. Um, hmm. Where to start? What to talk about? I first got the idea for doing a solo podcast from my friend Alvaro, who has a podcast of his own and has recently recorded a solo podcast. Um, It was probably one of the best podcast episodes I've ever listened to, if not the best. Um, So hopefully I can, I don't know, even close to approach that. He had a really good, uh, I guess, scope for it, though, because he's recently undergone kind of a major life shift in terms of graduating from college and then moving away. Um, so he had, like, a specific event from which to reflect from. I don't have that exactly. Life has really just been kind of going along for me, which isn't a bad thing. But the question is... Where to start? Because I'll just try to think about how life has been going in general. Also, I do have, I have been writing stuff in my notes a lot recently, um, which I think can reflect some interesting ideas um, for me to go over. But I don't know. How have things been recently? Honestly, okay. Um... I just got back from a visit home for Christmas, the first time home. It's not really home. My parents' home. My childhood home. The first time I've been back there since the middle of 2020, so two and a half years about. Um, I only stayed there for like two and a half days, but honestly, that was about the right amount of time for me to be there. It just kind of doesn't work for me to be living in the same place as my parents for an extended period of time. And that has nothing to do with the quality of my relationships with them. I th- I'm super close with both of them. Um, but it was a really good visit. It was actually, like, weirdly the first time I've gone home and felt like I was revisiting something special. To be in my old bedroom, my own li- my old living room, and, like, see all the pictures of my brother and I and our childhood around um, having the Christmas decorations out. It was very nostalgic, which weirdly, like, it isn't always for me. It's, I don't know, it's it's hard for me to explain why. Um, But I kind of felt more like I was actually at home rather than a visitor in my own home this time so that was cool but also not really not really an overview of what's been on my mind recently one thing that has been on my mind that I can get into is the difference between being alone and being with other people I've never been great 
at being alone. Maybe that's not true. Maybe in the past I had been, but it's been a while since then. Um, when I'm alone, I feel agitated a lot of the time. I feel like it's harder to focus on specific things. It's almost like being around people in a way gives me something worth focusing on, whether it's the other person or an activity that I'm jointly doing with another person. When I'm doing things alone, it kind of feels removed from reality. Um, like there's less oomph to it. There's less feeling behind it. There's, and I guess that almost goes to show that when I am with people and doing things with them, the the reason I feel this extra oomph is because of the opportunity to use the activity as like a platform for bonding almost. I guess what feels real isn't necessarily what's being completed or engaged in. What more is what feels real, more of what feels real is the interactions with other people. Um, and it is those interactions which I feel like I can, I can delve into more, kind of immerse myself into more, which often necessarily brings me into this tertiary activity a little bit more as well. So, but what I've been thinking about it is, is why, like why is being around other people so much more engaging than the things I'm doing alone? And that's really hard to answer. I feel like there are the obvious evolutionary reasons that as humans now we've become such social creatures that really the one thing that our survival depends on more than anything else is our ability to socialize. Um, and so forming close relationships uh, is, again, biologically the most important thing for us. So I'm sure that that helps. But I think it's a matter of personal values as well. I think that for me, forging those relationships feels like the only thing that, that matters. It feels like the only thing that's important. And that's something that I have a really hard time of coming to terms with. Because obviously one of the, not obviously, but but in my mind, one of the characteristics that might make someone, you know, least valuable as a, as a friend, as a romantic partner, as just someone to be in another person's life, is someone who has no life of their own who bases their existence entirely upon that of others, right? When you think about repulsive characteristics, it's 
its neediness, its clinginess. And fortunately, I don't think I'm those things because I'm aware enough uh, that those are bad to be, that I don't allow myself to be them. Um, And yet still, a lot of the times, that's where I might feel my mind going. I see underpinnings to all of my actions and motivations in the desire for acceptance and love and the desire of others. Um, Especially, almost, it seems like the things that I'm doing when I'm alone. It's like my mind pipes up every two minutes, even if I'm trying to engage in something that might be interesting on my own. My mind pipes up like, how is this, how is this going to further your goals of becoming a more interesting, desirable person? And then it's those exact intrusive thoughts, which prevent me from engaging in things alone, prevent me from maybe using them to become that more desirable person. Because I also think there's something wrong about that. And maybe this is me. This is reflecting my the level of self-judgment I have and how it's too much. But I'm not content with doing things for this idea that they'll make me more interesting to others, more valuable to others. It's like a visceral repulsion that I feel whenever I notice myself going that way. But I also think that's not the whole story. I wonder if there's something more there. I wonder if there's something else about focusing on something external, making myself driven to do something external that scares me, that I'm driven away from. Which is weird because on on one level, I, I think that's exactly what I need. And I, I think that I envy people who have that. I think, man, nothing could make life easier than knowing something that I want. And pursuing it. Because yes, there are problems of motivation that can get in the way of pursuing those, but those answers are so much more clear. How to stay motivated, how to keep your mind right to achieve goals that you have. I think part of me is is scared to have that. I 
And it's really hard for me to put my finger exactly on why. Maybe it's the idea that having some particular desire or goal feels like it would make me less interesting. That rather being this thoughtful, meandering, searching soul who's trying to figure it out rather than having it figured out and just executing upon it. Maybe some part of me is attached to being that person. Thinks that that's the more interesting version of myself. And so I don't want to get it figured out. I think there's at least something to that. A lot of times I get caught up in my thoughts. Very caught up in them. It's hard for me to to detach and step back and watch them go by like a train or something. Um, in fact, a lot of the times I, th I think when I attempt to do so, that's exactly what sucks me into the thoughts. Because it's kind of just adding this other layer that now it feels like I have no way of, of getting out of the thought loops, the, the whirlwind kind of. But when I do, I can see that I'm continuing to work to try to figure out who to be, to figure out what to do. Of course, sometimes I, I spend some of my time doing. I still make stuff, still do some stuff. We all do, of course. Um, but none of the things I do externally that result in some kind of imprint on the external world feel like my main thing. That is unless it involves other people and building relationships with other people. So when I'm on my own, the only thing that feels important is continuing to do this work inside my head. Of course, if, to some extent, it's, it's driven by fear. The intrusive thoughts that, that check me as I'm doing things on my own tend to be the voices of other people. And... So I'm checking myself to try to make sure that I'm not doing anything that would be invalid in the eyes of other people, which of course is so 
so silly because I'm surrounded with people who I honestly do think they feel pretty unconditionally about me. I'm extremely fortunate in that way, extremely fortunate. And yet I'm still thinking about myself from those perspectives and wondering if I'm doing the right thing. Ugh. I don't even like to hear myself say that. But I do think it's true. And that reminds me of another point that I've been thinking about recently. This, the idea of, of free will. Um, because I say I don't even like hearing myself say that. But then I, I did feel pretty instantly forgiving of myself because I've been coming to the conclusion that there is no free will recently. And that one I'm pretty, pretty set on. And it doesn't fix everything by any means. Um, because despite not having free will, it doesn't mean that I don't still feel like I can make choices. Um, but it does help in retrospect. So I guess I should probably answer the question, why do I think we don't have free will? And basically it's, it's this idea that we're, it's comes from this idea that we're not actually too different from anything around us. We're not different from other people. We're not different from, I don't know, the couch I'm sitting on, the Christmas tree in my living room, the ground we walk on on the street. We're all just some sorts of physical manifestations of the universe. And yes, we're different in some ways, but mostly those ways are just psychological psychological constructs, I think. The manifestations of having a brain with memory and a nervous system that can only be experienced through one body. So because of that, we think that all we are, we are there is something unique and different about ourself, right? We are this person who can see everything out of, I can see everything out of my eyes. I can speak with my voice. I am this amalgamation of all of my memories and experiences, which lead to a particular human being. It's the idea of an ego, right? But what makes us think we have any more control over the person we develop into or the actions we take than a tumbleweed that blows down the street in the wind. I think the only thing that gives us the illusion that we do is how much lies in our subconscious. Subconscious? I don't know. How much is controlled by parts of ourselves that 
we aren't aware of and often can't become aware of. There are decisions we we make that are based on how much sleep we got last night and things that happened a year and a half ago that we just don't bring into our awareness of our thoughts. But it doesn't mean that we have control. I think we just have the illusion of control. And so that's nice. A lot of the times it actually, it actually, it does help me. Um, one thing it's been helpful with is oftentimes uh, detaching a little bit more from my thoughts. It's made me realize, okay, if I'm kind of like, basically like a rock on the street, then the way I view a rock is that a rock doesn't do anything. A rock doesn't I guess, act upon anything in its environment. Iraq is simply acted upon by other things around it. So in a way, I am also just being acted upon by everything. Even, and not even, not even but most of all, my own thoughts and feelings. If I'm being acted upon by those thoughts and feelings, then it makes more sense for me to view them <clears throat> in a way like like cars driving past on the street. And it can bring me a lot more peace, I think. I think it can bring everyone a lot more peace. Is to to realize that um, the storm really is kind of just happening around you, happening to you. It's not really as much in your hands. Because the nice thing then is you get to become more curious about everything. You get to become more curious about your thoughts rather than trying to use them to propel yourself into some kind of action. You get to watch them and kind of, and then you'll respond to your thoughts in certain ways and you get to watch how you respond. And that's interesting. Another thing I've been thinking about, oh no, this is actually a great transition. So, Actually, maybe this is an opportunity to make a new connection. I'm looking at my my notes app right now. I made a I wrote something recently about freedom, which is funny because I just said we don't really have free will. So why am I writing about freedom? I guess again because a lot of times our human experience, despite this this logical realization that there's no free will, doesn't mean that's always aligned with my feelings. Freedom's interesting, my concept of it. Uh, it's always kind of been what I've desired above all else. Um, desire to not be driven to work for anything by anyone else. Um, be able to control what I do with my time. Um, 
but in a way, it's also what makes life so much more difficult. Because just like I said before about the idea of having something specific to want being potentially easier, the whole point of freedom is is not having something specific to want. It's like you detach enough that you are free from your basic instincts and desires, but then that's also problematic because at least for me, I'm left questioning what do I what do I do now? What do I do with my time? And I'm gonna try reading some of this note and maybe adding some of my own comments along the way that aren't written here. But it's my own note, so it doesn't really matter. Um, maybe I'll edit this out, because reading might not sound as good. But we'll see. I don't know. I'm going to go for it. So, this was yesterday that I wrote this. I think living a, a life of sheer routine might eliminate much of my misery. Removing the agency from my days so that there is no longer any reason to question, no reason to spiral into the depths of my mind. And yet, in some way, that would feel like accepting defeat. That deciding on routine would be equivalent to submitting to the maelstrom of my thoughts. It would be me seeing the storm ahead and saying, let's sail around it, rather than let's take that beast head on. And some part of me needs to take it head on. This is the point that I thought was interesting, is the idea that I need to maintain my freedom. I need to be free. I need to experience the potential misery that freedom brings. This is my, my comment, by the way. Um, and figure out the way through that. Like, I don't know, something, something feels extremely important about that. Like, I... Like the answers of how to exist, how to live life are there, are in accepting and navigating freedom. Sartre wrote, writes about this as well. It's like the way to live isn't to deny our our freedom um, with with some kind of routine or by almost enslaving ourselves to a a higher power which isn't real it's by accepting our freedom and figuring out what to do with it so i'm not super original there anyways next paragraph i must maintain my freedom for if there is one thing i want to describe myself as it is free and routine is the death of freedom but freedom comes at such a high cost the cost of peace just like an anarchical nation, a free mind and a free life become rife with turmoil and chaos, truths which I find myself resisting. Why? Well, I suppose the question likely not even need be asked. The same reason we ever find ourselves resisting. Pain. For in all this, despite all the chaos and turmoil, some things do remain clear. The need to be loved and to love, most of all. The desire to continue building relationships. The fear and hatred of being fearful. The wrongness of such persistent skepticism 
and the impossibility of not exercising it. It is these clear truths which create such pain, for they make the dedication to freedom feel useless. If not controlled by others, I remain controlled by these truths. But what is wrong with that? What's wrong with seeking direction from internal values? Nothing, of course. Not to the sane person. I, though, cannot bring myself to trust in the validity of these values. There remains disgust for my need for others, confusion about my need for bravery, addiction to my counterproductive skepticism. And so I clash with myself, with myself, and the sparks that fly hurt. I am cripplingly free. Um, which, what a disgusting thing to complain about, but I... But I think I'm not alone in the discomfort that that can bring. Even today, I've spent pretty much all day alone today. It's my first day back in Boston after the break. A lot of people are still gone. Those are, we feel like, weirdly feel like excuses for why I spend my time alone. Um, I promise I have friends, I'm, which I'm saying again. Um, but yeah, I, I spent the day alone and it, by one o'clock, I had taken out my trash, gone to the gym, uh, gotten a haircut, came home, showered, made myself a meal, eaten that meal, cleaned my room, all by one o'clock. Um, done a ton of things that I wanted to get done. My point being that that was only one o'clock. Um, and the rest of the day was pretty much entirely free to me. I think most people, when faced with this amount of freedom tend to bury themselves in... There are two ways to go, I guess. Some people bury themselves in projects, and some people bury themselves in entertainment. Both, I think, are... Um, I don't know if distractions, maybe distractions, sometimes distractions from presence with oneself. Maybe distractions isn't the way to, to put it, but ways not to simply spend time with oneself. Um, and I indulge in these two. I mean, I'm spending part of my time right now recording this podcast. I've watched TV this afternoon, took a nap. I have my own ways to not spend time with myself.
But I think that is the sailing through the storm that I want to do. And I have been spending time with myself more often recently. But I still find it becomes overwhelming. I search for other ways to occupy my mind. Perhaps I'm still not, just not good enough at meditation, at clearing my mind so that I can feel like I'm just at peace within reality rather than drowning in the maelstrom of thoughts. And perhaps, I think a large part of it is is ego-driven. Not in terms of like, just in the way that I, I feel this, this pressing need to, to develop my personhood with any of the freedom that I do have. And I think that's what a lot of people have as well. And that's kind of the direction that people go when they complete projects. It's like they're, they're constructing, they're weaving something into their identity by creating or by building a skill, right? And that's comforting. It feels like we should be doing that. And then entertainment is, the, is generally distraction. It's like we lose ourselves in some other world um, so that we don't have to think about how maybe we should be constructing ourselves. Um, the alternative is neither. The alternative is sitting with the burdensome thoughts that you're not spending your time constructing yourself. These thoughts that once again comes back to the idea that I think drives everything of needing to be loved, needing to be lovable. I had this conversation with my family when I was home. It was very fun because... Um, they they disagreed in some way, but I couldn't even really tell you their arguments because it was, I, uh, this isn't meant to be condescending, but it, they, the buck kind of stopped it. Like, no, I just want to do this to feel good. And I kept saying, well, don't you realize that the reason that this would make you feel good is because it aligns with your programming of making you feel more lovable? I'm probably insufferable for that reason. Family, if you're listening to this, my apologies. Um, it's weird, too. I was thinking about, like, why I feel the need to point that out. And I truly don't think it's it's because, like, I'm trying to undo the foundations of what other people do and what they enjoy, what makes them feel good. I, I think rather 
it just comes out of me trying to explain my own condition and then trying to get people to understand by connecting it to their condition. Um, But yeah, this reminds me of now another journal thing that I wrote. And I don't have my journal in front of me. But I was writing recently about about skepticism and self-awareness. I was writing about how the combination of those two has kind of how it connects with freedom. Skepticism and self-awareness. I feel like it has unearthed, kind of revealed so many of these psychological tendencies that I have. And the thing about being aware of those is when these tendencies are like, are really laid bare in front of you, or at least for me, like when I'm, when I'm aware of them in the moment, I see what they're urging me to do, what they're pushing me to do. They're less potent, and also I tend to be judgmental of them. Because I do see how they're always coming from this need to be loved, and I do have this judgment of that. I have this, I don't know, this idea that there should be this higher place of motivation that I should be in control in some way that rises above the need for other people that comes completely internally. And that, again, leaves me with the the freedom. The freedom problem. Like, okay, even if, if these feelings and urges and desires that I do have are invalid because they're only based on what I think other people will think of me, that I don't have anything to direct me anywhere. And so I just sit. And again, this isn't a constant problem. I want to emphasize that. It's, I also, like, like yesterday, I just went through, for about half an hour to an hour, I went through some of the top songs of my recent, like, liked on Spotify and just played them on piano. And that was something that really didn't feel like it was based on the need for acceptance of others. It was something that I was simply enjoying and I was kind of more in tune with. But those are often rare. Those are often rare. Oxymoron. Those those times seem rare. There is one other way of looking at existence or kind of answers that would be valid for a 
for a higher self when desire for others doesn't feel that way, which is love. I've thought a lot about love. Um, I'm sure most people have. It definitely feels like one of the most important things in life. The thing is, I've, I've shifted on this, and I'm thankful for it. But I think love exists separately from our need from de- for desire. I think we can love people who don't show us um, that they desire us, that they're interested in us, that they love us back necessarily. There's just something about some people that makes us love them. And this is kind of where it gets hard for me to, I guess, hard for me to get into detail because I don't know the answers. Like, this is love. My concept of love is definitely one of the most abstract things that remains in my head. It's something that I've been able to break down less than almost anything else. Because it used to be simple where I thought relationships were entirely transactional. But after enough reflection, I realized that's really not the case. It's really not the case. There are some relationships that are. Even in loving relationships, there are certainly some aspects that can become transactional. And I even fall into the trap of, like, viewing my loving relationships as transactional. And a lot of times that brings me a lot of stress. Um, Because I think if I'm not getting enough transacted in my direction, then it reflects upon the love that is there. And that just doesn't make sense because I know that that's not how I behave. So it's definitely not how others behave either. But anyway, my point is that I've been toying with this idea of trying to use love to drive action from this higher awareness from this higher place of consciousness. And that also just sounds like a, an absolutely wonderful way to live life. A wonderful way. And in the past, this is... Like, I've had similar ideas. I've had similar... I've had this thought that, like, the most important thing is is validating people. Not even just validating, but is showing people that they're important making people feel loved. That's a conclusion I came to a long time ago, several years. And so I would just try to spend my time doing that always, making other people feel loved, especially those who I identified as needing it the most. Except that came from not a totally genuine place. 
it came from more of a self-indulgent importance, need for importance, I think. And a lot of time it wouldn't come out of true feeling. That's a mistake that I don't really want to make anymore. I read an article. I've read a few articles recently about monks. Because monks are people who become happy in doing nothing. In doing nothing at all. And I think that I often look to the extremes of humanity to learn more about human nature. What I read in these articles is that to be happy, monks meditate on compassion. They meditate to create a feeling of compassion within themselves. I do think compassion is pretty deeply intertwined with love. I think feeling compassionate for others allows us to feel love for them. It puts us in connection with them in a way that is close enough that can enable love. It's how we get past transactionality because we can actually feel what others are feeling. And we can be compassionate for ourselves, of course, as well, by listening, by feeling what we're feeling, because so often we're trying to escape what we're feeling. So I guess if I have any point, it's just that I want to try to connect with that more as much as possible. Self-compassion is hard, but it's quite an incredible feeling. And I think compassion for others is too. I could probably go into some other topic, but I feel like I can wrap a bow on that pretty nicely. So I think I will. This will be a little bit of a shorter one, but maybe that'll save me from my insecurities about being overly self-indulgent. <laughs> Thanks for listening, people. I will see you next week with, I think, another person. God, I hope. No, I'll, I'll have another person. All right, bye.